0: Welcome back to the Non Standard 14er Podcast, a podcast that tells you everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. I'm sitting here watching the sunset uh, at the Kylo Vista Ranch right right by the, the trailhead of Culebra. Culebra? Culebra. Yep, and Cielo Vista. Cielo <laughs> Vista?
1: Yeah, Cielo Vista Ranch.
0: We got three people joining the podcast today. We got Tay Jack. Hello. We got Jaser Jack. What's going on? And we got Pika Bark. Hello. Our new friend we met here, uh, the number of the 20 people that are sitting around here waiting the six o'clock gate opens up, so we can climb Culebra and we're a hundred and fifty dollars slider.
2: Three hundred for the Jacksons. Yeah. Yes, the Jacksons took a bigger hit.
0: The trip reports are pretty, pretty uh, accurate. Carlos is a really friendly guy. Carlos just came over about seven thirty ish or, or yeah. so, introduced himself, talked about the rules, told, told us when he'd be here. We picked his brain about where to eat and drink beer, and asked him about the snow conditions. And he's super friendly, nice guy. Said he's been here for, what, 18 years, he said? so. He said 13 on, five years off, and then he just came
3: back. Okay. Yeah, he said he came back like two years ago, I think.
2: So, Pika Park,
1: what's your experience with 14ers?
3: So, I weighed about 80 pounds more than I do now two years ago, two and a half years ago. Wow. And I started walking, and when I started, I just... I ate bad, drank Mountain Dew all day, never worked out, never did anything really, and played games all night. I haven't played a video game in years.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
3: and I basically uh, just started walking. I mean, I had to change of life and just decided that I needed to take care of myself better. And then when I started walking and I lost a little weight, then everybody I knew was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, I think I kind of need an answer, you know? Sure. And so I came up with... I was either going to do a 5K or or climb a 14er. And I moved here from Florida and, you know, about uh, five years before that. And uh, climbing a 14er sounded a whole lot more fun than running. I've always <laughs> <Yeah>. hated running. <laughs> I mean, Join the club back in yeah. the day, I hated Amen. running then, you know. So <laughs> so uh, climbing was cool. And uh, so I, I, I Googled, how do you climb a 14er, and started <laughs> with that, and then... Um, met some people through fitbit and they gave me some advice and somebody told the gal said you know you should go climb audubon first that'll be a good introduction to you where's that mount audubon is on the south side of um rocky mountain national park it's not part of the park it would be uh about uh, 45 minutes due uh west of boulder is it 13er yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you and see Longs from Oh, my or? God. you got a gorgeous view. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. I highly recommend Audubon if you've never done it. and it is a, It's a great it's a great view into the park from this outside and a gorgeous Jeez. view of Longs. Oh, really cool. Yeah, the last time I went up there, I didn't go up there to climb it. I went up there to take a picture of Longs. And I went off the route, and that was the first time I, I'm... Fairly certain I saw a mountain lion um, Mm. because I was off route. I was like, what's that dog doing (laughs) way down there? And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not moving like a dog. Uh That's what I thought, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, good move. It's moving away from me. And then I'm thinking, well, you're off the trail. Of course, yeah. you might have stirred something up, you know. And so I got over to the ridge on the side of Audubon, and I took some really nice photos of Longs from there.
0: And what, what part of Longs can you see? Can you see the diamond, the, the head, no, wheel, or, or no. you see
3: the keyhole, or what, yeah, you... you're more on the uh, south side of it, you know. Cool. Yeah, okay. the south and maybe south, south slightly west. You know, looking at it from that angle. Wow. Okay. So and I've never climbed long, so yeah, yeah. And I, I met a guy that climbed the diamond. Oh you know, recently mm-hmm. and he was like, Oh my god, it was the most alive I ever felt in my life. And I'm like, no When no did doubt. you do that? And he said, In my early twenties, and this guy was like probably you know, in his 60s, and, and he was st- he was still talking about it. And I was cool. like, oh, hats off to you, man. I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. I'm not, I, I just, I have a fear, of, you know, of heights I've had to get over. So anyway, getting back to it, um, I decided to climb a 14er. And uh, eventually, um, I climbed Audubon, and then I did Stat and then I did uh, Greys, and then I did uh, Quandary. And then I came back and did Gray's and Tory.
1: That's a pretty good okay. starter. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah.
3: And so at yeah, the end you... of the first year, I I I summited twenty times. Um, some of the mountains I did twice. Sure. And then um, last year, like my and then I had a goal. I said I want to do fifty before I turn fifty. Not fifty different ones, but fifty peaks. Okay. And uh, and I was forty you know seven when I decided that. So I did twenty that year. Huh. Last year wow. I did thirty two. So wow. I, I blew by fifty-two, you know. <laughs> that's yeah, and that's
2: total summits. Yeah, total cool. summits.
3: Right now, this will be fifty-nine tomorrow.
2: Sweet. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. And when's your birthday?
3: My birthday is December thirtieth, and, and December thirtieth, you know. I got a long time. And there's yeah. a lot of summits between now and Right, now. absolutely. Yeah, I have, like, I made a list of what I still want to do. And I don't want to climb them all because, again, I, I normally climb by myself. This is going to be a little bit different with all of us going at the same time. Right. And uh, it's almost, I mean, I almost feel like it's like a shotgun race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, <it's> thinking <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, but, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, but, I mean, I've got, like, 11 more I want to do. And then after that, it'll just be, like, I want to go back to some of my favorites and do those, you know, every couple of years, you know, that type of thing, you know. Cool. So, what's been your favorite so far? Yeah, people ask me that. I really, man, it's hard to say that. It really is hard to say. I absolutely have a uh, an inner love of Quandary. I have an inner love of um, of Greys and Tori, and I have an inner love of Beerstat. And I mean, those are the ones I've summited the most. Um, the DeCalibron's Fawn, I've done that twice. La, La Plata. Gorgeous, you know. I mean, I don't know, man. They're all awesome when you get up there. It depends on the circumstances. I mean, even a mountain like Sherman, that's an easy mountain to climb and everything. You get up there on the right day, and and you're above the clouds. And it's just the best. I mean, it's euphoric Mm -hmm. feeling when you get up there. You know, you're climbing through some fog and, you know, driving up. And then all of a sudden you break through it. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, I'm walking on the clouds. Mm.
2: So So that's amazing about the weight loss. I'm curious, was there a dieting component of that, too, or is it just purely hiking?
3: Okay, so uh, I can't outrun the fork and I keep trying. Okay, so I gained some of the weight back this past year. Uh, Climbing 30, you know, two peaks, you'd think I'd have lost weight. I didn't. I I went back to beer and went back to eating junk again. Um, Not soda. I've stayed away from that Mm. completely. I'm just a water guy or a beer. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's it. Or, or that's all you or, need, really. Or a bourbon, you know, on a, uh, after a 14er. So I'll have a bourbon shot when I get okay. home tomorrow to celebrate. Perfect. So that's nice. your,
0: that every. is that your tradition, 14er tradition, your bourbon shot every year? Yeah, every when I pe- get
3: home, that's become this year's tradition. So I'm starting this year. When I get home, it's going to be a nice crushed crushed ice in the glass and fill that thing up about a third of the way and just sip it. It's so good. Oh, uh, so all
1: awesome. good. Yeah,
3: yeah. And that's the celebration. But uh, Sure but yeah um, so I mean I, I, it's hard to, like I said it's hard to say that this one or that one's a favorite and I love them all
0: have you done any class 2 plus like do you have ones that you're kind of like you like, don't know if you can do them or don't they're kind of uh, like okay, scaring you, you yeah I'll
3: tell you what like, I did and I don't want to do it again how's that okay okay Missouri
0: Missouri oh, standard yes, route okay. up, up yeah, the. yeah
3: I don't want that part where you got to climb down yeah it, I, I was oh, up like there it was dry sanding. I was yeah. terrified and is I was that loose scree kind of no one there And I was like, I was terrified. And it's got that funky,
1: it's off-kilter a little bit. Yeah, and
3: it just, you know, like, I'm a fear of heights. So looking to the right, I'm looking to the right, and it just drops off. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, and if you slip,
2: you're not going to die, but you'll go a ways. You're going to go a ways. And
3: to me, I felt like I would have died. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And there's not a whole lot holding
2: you on. It's just like pea gravel on top. Yeah, and for me,
3: it's just like that's a level of comfort that I just don't feel comfortable. I got two boys, and, you know, I, I feel like... You know, this is a this is something I do on my own, and it's kind of, you know, I don't want to uh, put myself in jeopardy and things like that. And that was from the standard route up the Missouri yeah. Gulch. Yeah. Steep switchbacks right in the beginning there, and then. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, it's a great that's a great climb. You know. So have I you done Kaker? Did
0: you do Bel- Belford and? Uh, Oxford? Yeah,
3: did Belford, and Oxford. Got to the top of uh, Belford, and I went, oh my god, do I want to do that? And then I went. I'm not coming up here and not doing that. And I went down and and climbed over and came back and loved it. Yeah, that was that's a that's a, absolutely. I'll tell you what. Coming, have you done uh, the Decalibron? You come mm-hmm. down Bros. Yep. Yeah. So coming down Bros. You know, a lot of people hate it and everything, and I did. Um, and then I met a guy that did them all, and he goes, Hey, when you come down Bros, take big steps.
2: Yeah, and that's, I go, what? Yeah.
3: And he goes, take big giant steps. And I go, really? And I went up and I did it last year and I did big giant steps and it's so, it was so nice. I yeah. was it's like, like, oh my
2: God, I can't believe this. It's what like a difference. running down the sand dunes. I remember doing that. I, was, I think I, was, like, I had to have been like 10 or 11 years old and I remember it like it was yesterday because it was so fun. I and mean, we had like the clouds chasing us down a little bit. It's, it felt like 10 minutes and you're back at the car just like yeah. full strides. Like, pfft, yeah. form,
3: <sighs> those plunge steps. Yeah,
2: that's, that's a fun one.
0: So you are admitting to trespassing then on the podcast. Oh yeah, well I guess
3: so <laughs> just, you know, I, I, I know I'm the only one. Good and, on um, a please don't yeah, <laughs> it's don't a don't bark. lock up Pika Bark. I'm the only one that did
0: that. We came up from the other side. Uh, we didn't do it from the kite lake, we came from the other side to do broths just because uh-huh. we I had done th- all three of them but got turned off from the weather, so I had to get bross gotcha. by itself. So we came up the other side and scared the other people on the and so we switch- Oh
3: coming up that way? We
0: switched in and said Hey, do you guys? You, you guys know you're trespassing on like the oh Bob the god. Bobcat Mining Company's private property, <laughs> did <you> right?
2: Really?
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: and people right. are like,
2: "Oh my god!" I was like, Yeah, we did, you didn't,
0: didn't. Didn't you see the signs over there? You didn't oh, see the no. They were like, "Oh, really?"
3: We we're like, oh, <laughs> oh there <that's funny."> again." <laughs> that is too funny. So oh, there's that's a, a lesson for you. If you go up that way, there's your fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. Are those
0: the only two ones that are really kind of private? This one. Yeah. Calebra and then Bros. Yeah. I don't know if any other one fourteen 14er are private. No, I don't think
2: so. There's um, part of Kelso that's private for those lodges that are on the bottom. That's obviously 13er, but there's some issues. One of the best ski lines on Kelso, that North Gully, is technically all private property. Kelso right beside
0: Tories. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. So let's talk about when you skied Tories.
2: Yeah, so ticked off a bucket list item a couple weekends ago. Some buddies and I skied uh, the Emperor Coolar or Emperor Gully, um, and it was... Uh, it was a hoot. It was super fun. Um, we went in kind of a shoulder season time where the the couloir was incredibly filled in and just like amazing coverage, but it was like you couldn't hike all the way to the base and you couldn't skin all the way to the base. We were thinking about doing it earlier and taking a snowmobile, but we didn't want to do it too late and drive because then it wouldn't be as filled in. So it was like this weird shoulder season. Three really kind of high river crossings, so we actually hiked the first like mile or two in crocs to do the uh oh. river crossing which i wouldn't recommend we finally just ditched the crocs in the trees and did it in ski boots um but it was like snow drift dirt snowdrift dirt couldn't really skin couldn't really hike it was kind of miserable getting there but once we got on there um the gully makes you feel really small it's a really big gully and it went really big this year on an avalanche during that march storm cycle and it wiped out trees even like up the other side of the valley. Ooh. A couple hundred feet up the other side of the valley. And so we put our skins on and we were actually skinning over the top of like broken tree branches. Like it looked like, um, oh. like uh, garland that you put up for Christmas just all across the valley floor. We were skinning across that and you're walking across avalanche debris and like trees for, you know, probably a good half hour, 45 minutes before you then... Get to the place where you put crampons on. It was just a, a flawless, amazing climb all the way up. It's it's known as one of the longest continuous ski descents in the state, which is kind of why it attracts a lot of people. So Dead Dog is a little bit steeper, which is the other one. But Dead Dog's
0: um, on the standard route. You can see the Dead south Dog side, yeah. So you're and going up Grays and Torres. You can see Dead Dog, all right, on Tories. Right. You can't see Emperor Gully from the standard route em- up Tories, right?
2: Right. So Emperor is the one that you can see from the highway, which I. I've joked around. I've looked at that one since I was a kid. Like from seventy, yeah, from Bakersville exit, you can look left and see the Emperor Gully, and it's it's it just has captivated me ever since I was a kid. So, but uh, yeah, so tuning forks is like a longer version, but it's less steep. I mean, Emperor is kind of the the crown jewel of Tories, um, You know, it's over, it's close to four thousand feet of continuous descent. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun. The climbing conditions were beautiful. I think we. We're really up against some wet slide issues and so we got a a really early alpine start and I think we overestimated that and actually the hazard that we found to be more prevalent was the ice. Um, The day that we climbed it, it only ended up being about a high of 60 in Denver, so it never really softened up. Um, A couple parties had the same issue. People dropped at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and said it was the same thing. Um, I ended up actually taking a bit of a slide and had a pretty close call at the very top at the drop-in. Had to self-arrest before I flew into a pile of rocks, and, uh... Ooh. Actually, there was a guy on ski on a snowboard that did the same thing after me. He hiked out, and he was all bloody, and his clothes were Ooh. torn up, and he did the same thing. And then, actually, on Facebook, like, two days later, I was asking, Hey, was it as icy for you guys as it was for us? We dropped at 11.30. Took a bit of a slide, and she's you like... You started hey. when? Uh... We started... Before the sun was up, so... 4.30, maybe. I think we were on the trail by 5. Um, It took us a little while and you know we hung out when we were putting crampons on and stuff but that one was a little more than a thousand feet an hour just because of the stream crossings and stuff but this lady actually commented she's like i did the same thing i uh like double ski jacked like tomahawked down this thing so it was the worst worst day worst conditions to do that um but it was kind of either like go up against these wet slide issues or drop in a little earlier and mitigate the ice, which on skis is okay, but on a snowboard, you've only got one edge, and when you lose that edge, Uh, you get out of control really fast. So, I heeled out. It was steep enough that I I was on my heel edge, and my boots actually is what made me lose traction, because the boots came into contact with the snow before my edge could because of how steep it was. So then I slid out onto my butt and I was down about 100 yards within about oh. six seconds. Oh. Self-arrested. Um,
1: with your ice axe.
2: With my ice axe. I. Uh, the crazy part about snowboarding that I didn't even think, I mean, I've practiced this dozens of times, but you know, you're supposed to, in a proper self-arrest position, dig your axe in and get over to your belly as fast as you can. You can't do that on a snowboard if you're on your butt. So I had to self-arrest on my butt, and I tore my pants open and all this stuff. But that was the first, like, 300 feet, and then we had 3,000 more feet of You weren't spooked after that? Oh, yeah, I was. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of it was uh, kind of survival skiing, to be honest, but it was cool to say we had ridden that. But that was a great lesson for me, having, like, kept a keen eye out for avalanche stuff all season and a historic avalanche year that there are so many other hazards to mitigate. Yeah, besides that, and I I guess I kind of... uh, learn learn that lesson the hard way but uh i mean it's why we practice these skills and it's just part of playing in the mountains so but uh yeah I'll, I'll you know there may be a time where i'll do it again with better snow um i mean it could be like the descent of a lifetime i can't say in all honesty that it was for me but it's a great day out i mean a bad day in the mountains is better than a good <laughs> day in the office so
1: there's like a thousand feet of corn snow
2: you Yeah, we got about a thousand feet of decent corn at the bottom, so it wasn't all for nothing, but... (laughs) Is corn good? Yeah, so corn corn snow skiing is like... They say it's not even a science, it's an art form to get like your half-hour window of perfect corn where it's not ice, but it's not like slurpy. Slushy. Where you have like wet slide problems, so it's like an inch of soft snow on top of nice firm snow. So like, I mean, you get this in a resort sometimes when it's like right around 10 o'clock in the morning... When the sun starts to kind of bake it, but it's not total slush yet. Okay. You know, in the resort, slush is fine. It's fun to ski on and spray people with and all that, but in the backcountry, it can be kind of dangerous because you get wet slides. Oh, and a wet slide's like a moderate avalanche or what? Yeah, wet slides can even be like serious avalanches, but they move a little more slowly. Um, and they are they set up like concrete. When they, I don't know if you've ever like hiked through a wet slide avalanche debris, but it's as hard as concrete. Like your crampons can't even penetrate it sometimes, and it's these... Um, at the bottom of Emperor, there were, like, Volkswagen bug size, like, chunks of debris and, like, pinwheels that were the size of a car tire. Wow.
1: And some of the wet sides go all the way down to the ground, so it'll take the entire snow, the entire pack down all Sometimes, the, way to yeah. the ground. It can. Not
2: mm-hmm. this time of year, usually. Usually it's the surface, but, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can. But the nice part is, as opposed to, like, a... Um, a dry avalanche or a slab avalanche or something that is a little more unpredictable. You can mitigate wet slides by the time of day that you start, but then you can way overshoot it like we did <laughs> and be up against ice. So but the consistency of that is like skiing on top of frozen mashed potatoes or some people call it coral reef. Like it, it gets baked during the day, it slides, it sets up like concrete and then it's like like pure coral reef. So it can be Pretty terrible to ski on, which is what we found. But the line itself was flawless, and if you're an advanced skier that's comfortable in your steep skiing skills and snow climbing skills, it's the steepest snow I've ever climbed. I, I, Climbed.
0: Ice axe crampons every step.
2: Oh, full-blown, like all fours, like, you know, yeah, toward the top. I think that I read, this sounds a little steep to me, but I read that top pitch is 52 degrees. I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, yeah, it's the steepest snow I've ever climbed. But, you know, I highly recommend the route if, if you're a confident skier or snowboarder. And I may give it another go and the snow's a little better. <laughs> so, But the cool part is when you drop in off the top, Dead Dog kind of goes down to the right, and then you head straight toward the Kelso Knife Edge. And then your line actually starts. You drop in, skier's left, down past the Knife Edge, and which did, is really You go cool. back to a
0: different trailhead, right? You couldn't go up Stevens Gulch and then drop El Emperor. You could, but you'd have to be. You'd be. In a you different could. A lot hit. of people
2: do because you expose yourself to a lot of rock fall and hazard if you're spending time in the couloir. So actually, most people will go up Stevens Gulch and then just ski Emperor. But we wanted to know what we were skiing because it's kind of an intricate web of couloirs. So you can actually, if you don't know what, we we'll want to know make what we make the wrong turn. Down. So oh. we we climbed what we skied, um, and you actually drop in off the top, kind of off the knife edge. It's like a really cool little fun maneuver at the top. And where's so, the
0: trail then? Where's the trailhead compared to Stevens Gulch?
2: That's that fork where, you know, maybe a mile in from the Bakerville exit, Bakersville exit, it forks, and off to the right you go to the Grizzly Gulch, and that's where we parked was right at the fork. Okay. So, yeah, so that was fun, and uh, I actually personally have not done the knife edge, but I got to take a look at it and drop in on it with some snow on it, which was cool. But I, you've done the, the Kelso Ridge Yeah, I did Ridge the knife Kelso Ridge. Right? I,
0: did, I done Tories a couple times. I did Kelso Ridge. I'd never done Class 3. Climbing, so I wanted a good introduction on using your hands a little bit and a little bit of exposure. There's a little knife edge section that you kind of got a butt scoot across at the very top. And uh, that was a really good kind of challenge for root, a little bit of root finding and yeah. Class 3 climbing. I think a great introduction to someone who doesn't know if they can do Class 3. Probably similar to uh, maybe that ridge on Snuffles, Southwest Ridge. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I bet it's pretty similar, but there's no there's a knife edge on Kelso that's pretty exposed if if you don't like exposure. Wear a helmet. Oh yeah. Did you ever do Tay Jack Tories?
1: I did not. I did a very similar thing to what you guys did. Climb gray is my first time and I was with a college roommate and she didn't have it in her and I didn't feel right about <laughs> jumping over to that by myself. So um, just climbed back down. So I have not done Tories. One of the few that I, there are a few front range ones that I still have.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll go do Kelso Ridge on that one soon. That'll be fun. Yeah,
0: since you have a yeah, good introduction to class three. Yeah. It's it snuffles.
2: That was always, I think Kelso, or not Kelso, um Grey's and Tours is the one that I've probably repeated the most just because when I was in middle school and high school with my youth group, we'd, we'd do what was called the no wimps trip. And yeah, <laughs> it was really, it was a cool little, it was like a week or 10 day, week long little church trip and we'd go rafting and we'd go mountain biking, we'd camp at the sand dunes and we'd always finish on our way back to Denver with a 14er and it was always Gray's and Tories, and and then after that we'd go to St. Mary's Glacier with trash bags and be idiots and slide down the glacier (laughs) back when there was a glacier with the trash bags. No ice axes, you know, no waivers, no nothing. Just a bunch of 13 year old kids being idiots. I think that's a big mistake though. People don't try to go slide without ice axes.
0: We were on the Chicago Basin for Exile Michiganders Finisher, and people were glissading down the Neolus, and a couple people tomahawked and got out of control. I thought they were going to I thought we were going to watch people crash
2: into serious rock. You know, not to sound morbid, but I, like, really think I would have not ended up well if I hadn't had an ice axe on Tories. When I had to self-arrest, I really saw the value. You know, sometimes I, I've even glissaded down Tories with a trekking pole, and I'm not proud to admit that, you know, but that's been enough to break me going down that snow field in the saddle but I'll never try to glissade without an ice axe again after that experience like it's an incredibly valuable tool to have and know how to use right you know you got to know how to use it yeah I did this
0: stupid second stupid mistake I did on quandary was not not wearing cotton socks and then I tried to glissade <laughs> down some of the snows Halloween with a trekking pole and snapped the trekking pole
1: oh and got wow.
0: going fast way, way faster than I thought I would get that quick
1: it is amazing how fast you get going on stuff like that. Well, and we've talked about that plunge step.
2: The plunge is great too, that could be fun tomorrow. I
1: I did that on um, one of the peaks, uh, in actually when we were in Norway, and the snow was soft enough, and there was this one little gully that went all the way down, and I was able to plunge step like the whole thing. And what took us hours and hours and hours to go up was super, super quick coming down just because we were able to plunge step through that soft snow, which was awesome.
2: You can almost run down
1: it. Yeah, it's amazing. And then if we were laughing, and I mean, it was just a total hoot.
2: If you eat it, then, you, you know, if you're plunge stepping, ideally the snow is soft enough that if you eat it, you don't go anywhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not icy or anything like that. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Do you check the conditions of that cool war? Like, do you bring an avalanche shovel and then, like, notch, do the notch or whatever? Or what, what do you do when you are worried about avalanche?
2: Risk? Yeah, so that's more of a, like, a wintertime thing. Um, and usually I'll dig pits if I don't have a forecast to read um, or I want to verify a forecast. Uh, I don't feel, you know, I'm, I'm kind of strong with my, relatively strong with my knowledge in that, but not strong enough that I, w- I would think I know more than the forecasters, which we've got some of the world's best forecasters in Colorado. So I rely really heavily on the avalanche forecast. Um, this year they actually use donations and shout out to the CAIC. Thanks for everything you guys do. Um, they yeah, use, do- they, they use donations to extend their season of forecasting. I think through May, usually they stop at May. Um, and so what's, what, what's and, the website? Uh, uh, it's uh, av- what is it? avalanche.colorado. dot. Just Google this Colorado Avalanche Information Center.
1: C A I C. Yeah, and I
2: I'm a nerd about it. I read it every morning like an old man does the newspaper during the winter. And it's fascinating to watch the cycles and what of the metrics snow. are they telling you? What What are you looking at? Um, so the avalanche, um, you know, you can you can check like the, the snowfall, but I mean, you know, wind, weather, all that stuff. But I look at the avalanche problems and then like the you know the severity or the danger level, um, on a scale of, you know, one to five, low to high. Um, and then kind of, they, they write a nice little paragraph about here's what we're seeing. Here's the problems to look out for. Is it a, is it a deep persistent slab? Is it a wind slab? Is it a storm slab? And and at what elevation? So, and at what aspect and what slope angle? So then you can kind of plan your weekend's tour, but you can also know more about the characteristics of the snow by like having read it weeks ahead of time. So So what's a slab then? Uh, you know, if you think about like a, like the season snowpack is like a layer cake. And if you have like cake frosting, cake frosting, the cake itself is really stable. But as soon as, you know, an avalanche needs three things, it needs, um, instability, a slope and a trigger. So as soon as you have an unstable layer and you slope it, you know, to picture tilting that layer cake 30 degrees and then you shake it, it's going to. Slide oh, on, frosting. on the frosting, uh, okay, and then that cake on the top of the frosting is what the slab is. And so that's what Colorado is known for. So that is kind of throughout the winter what we're dealing with, and then as we go into spring, the melt freeze cycle um, really makes the pack the more uniform. And so as the water percolates through the snowpack, you don't have those layers, so it becomes more like one piece of cake or a cheesecake.
1: It, like, heals itself okay. in a way.
2: It's like a cheesecake where you've got maybe, a,
1: you know.
0: And so what, 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 when are you getting bad conditions? You get, like, a big, like, footed powder, and then you get a really hot
2: day? And how do you oh create gosh, layers? It, it depends. You know, things in the winter you want to keep an eye out for are cold, clear nights because that creates faceting on the surface, and then you get a big dump on top of that. And so it creates a hard your, layer, like a hard, like... A hard,
0: really yes, weak. Exactly.
2: That's your new weak layer. And that's what you look for when you dig the pits is inconsistencies and, and those layers. And if you go somewhere like the Pacific Northwest where they just have dump after dump after dump and it's wet and it's warm, it's just going to be a consistent cheesecake. But we have lasagna snowpack where it's... So
0: Then we're more, more risky then. We
2: are. That's why all the best avalanche forecasters in the world come to Colorado is because we have a horrifically unstable snowpack every year. Yeah. Because we'll have long periods of time with no new snow where it's cold clear nights all night, wind, wind is terrible for avalanches and then it will have a big dump on top of it and all of a sudden we'll have three feet of fresh snow on top of a layer of ice or faceting or all these crazy weak layers. But as soon as all that heals, like when we did emperor gully, I would never do emperor gully. I'm not comfortable enough to do that like in the middle of winter because of deep persistent slabs that strike without warning. I I prefer it to be a little more predictable avalanche problems they call it where i'm looking at wet slides and so that's that's only occurring on the surface really you know a wet slab can step down a little bit but not entrain the entire season worth of snowpack sometimes it's it's always like it depends is the answer um so it was never certainty but march we had like a historic avalanche cycle i think they tracked like 650 like major avalanches across the entire state in the first week of march and we had what they call black thursday where all elevations, all aspects were black, like five out of five danger, which they only reserve for like, I've only seen it like once. And a black's season. the app thing, like,
0: like the bar or the, the legend they danger. use.
2: So the entire compass rose on all elevations was black, and there were still people that skied it, which is fine. You know, you can ski something that doesn't have a, a slope, you know, under 20 degrees. Under 20, so it's probably okay. It's so Not steep enough to
0: slide. And above 45 is too steep to gather. so. Like
2: there's there's debate about this.
1: Yeah, again it depends.
2: It depends. So yeah. like twenty to forty five degrees. Thirty to forty five is like the magic sweet spot and for avalanches. Thirty eight degrees is statistically the the and they're starting to sort of argue against this, but what I've been taught is that thirty eight degrees is like the sweet spot where like eighty percent of fatal avalanches don't quote me on this. Somewhere in the ballpark of eighty percent of fatal avalanches trigger at thirty eight degrees or within one or two degrees of 38. So, I mean, for the 14er community, if you're not skiing, if you're hiking, stick to ridges, stick to things less than 20 degrees. Um, don't expose yourself to unstable slopes over 30 degrees because even on a high danger day, you know, don't hold me responsible for saying this, but you can go out and recreate safely on a high danger day. I've done it before. You just have to stick to slopes that you know are safe and understand what the forecast is calling for. If it's, you know, stay away from all north-facing aspects above tree line over 30 degrees, you can hike up a south-facing slope less than 30 degrees safely. Well, are, are south-facing slopes safer? In that the depends. northern hemisphere, generally. Um, Why, well, because they don't? In the winter. They but get the more sp- sn- sun? Yep. But, so it heals the snowpack, but in the spring, then those become the riskier ones because then you're seeking out cooler, shadier slopes to avoid the wet slab problems. So it's kind of a seasonal thing. Ah. So, so winter south is safer spring north is a little safer depending yeah you know. i mean it's not it? that's such a loaded question but i would say like if you're if you're generalizing it probably um yeah and you know the the safest thing you can do is just keep it under 30 degrees and stick to ridges because then you you don't have what is 30 degrees is that like a blue or a black or what i don't know 30 regular? degrees is steeper than you think it is 30 degrees is
1: pretty
0: steep
2: like the steepest I actually looked this up the other day. I was curious. The steepest run at Copper, Copper Mountain, is the patrol chute, and it's 38 degrees. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's a double black. So, you know, but that 38 degrees is where you start, like, really smiling. Like, in the backcountry, you're, like, ripping really nice turns and carrying some speed. And, like, there's a correlation that all the fatal avalanches happen at, like, the perfect slope to ski because one the volume of people skiing that slope but it's just you know it's it's a weird correlation but 30 degrees is um you know probably a blue black a steep a steep blue um, i mean you can we've had a blast we skied the whole first part of our season not going over 20 degrees
1: i love 20 degrees i can get some amazing low angle wiggles with 20
2: degrees you know 20 degrees is something like union meadows at copper or you know the spalding bull at copper maybe 30 degrees, like a good solid, just like black bowl run
3: okay. is about
2: 30 degrees. So yeah, I think the headwall at Crested Butte that you and I went down last season, you know, maybe in the 40 degree range, 38 to 40. Okay, that's helpful. Um, steep gullies at A Basin's 42, I think at the steepest point. So,
0: Unfortunately, my battery is going to die. So let's just call that our first trailhead talk. And we'll go ahead and go to bed and get some sleep to try Culebra in the morning. Thanks for listening.